Good morning. Our theme through our scriptures today is encounter. So today, here's the map where we're going. We're going to talk about encounter. We're going to talk about radiant. You might wonder why. Listen. And then phone card. So this word encounter is something you frequently hear around here at Ply Park Church. Encounter is something that we hope happens between us and God. We hope that all that we do is creating and facilitating an encounter with God. So often we are inviting you to participate in things, hoping that you, through participation, will encounter God. And that we, as a community, will encounter God together. So as we read in the scriptures, there's this desire on God's part to connect with us, to be in relationship with us, to move toward us. And this is the encounter that God desires. And so you hear things in scripture like, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Or, come, all you are heavy, laden, and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. Or, follow me. Or, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened to you. God is inviting us to move toward him for us to encounter God. So the encounter begins with Moses on the mountain and his face becoming radiant. Now, this is a really fascinating piece of scripture. Um, I don't know if you've ever met a follower of God in the way of Jesus who's had a face that's been radiant, that was bright and shiny, and you needed a veil to cover it. So this might be a little bit unique in Scripture, but I think there's something in it for us as well. Because Moses met with God, had an encounter with God, and was changed. And when he was changed, he came back down the mountain, and people saw him. He didn't know he was radiant. Perhaps, I don't know, how did he not know? Don't you want to know these things? He didn't know he was radiant. But he was changed in external appearance and probably also in internal heart. His soul was changed by being with God. This was the second time Moses was actually with God for 40 days, hanging out on the mountain. Um, if you recall, the first time Moses was up with God, God carved out the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone, wrote them with his own hand. God gave him all the instructions of the law, how you live as the people of God. He gave him all this instruction. And while God was meeting with Moses on the mountain, Moses' brother Aaron was down with the people, fashioning a golden calf. So Moses comes down the mountain, and he gets down there, and he's so discouraged that he throws down the tablets. I mean, would you throw down the tablets? God wrote on those. Those were very special. But he threw them down and broke them, and then put the golden calf in the fire for it to be melted down and for them to drink it. So, yeah. so this is Moses' second time with God. Forty days spending time with God as God was meeting with him as a friend. This is an empowerful encounter that God had, or God had with Moses, and Moses was changed. And of course, this seems like this super exceptional example of an encounter with God. And it, it is. But I think it's possible that we today have something even greater 
than what Moses had. Because as we head up into Easter, we are reminded that Jesus died and rose again, and in that gives us this new life, that anyone who believes in him and follows him is given new spiritual life. And in fact, is given the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. So now we have this access at any time to God that we can encounter God in our everyday life. We don't have to, like Moses, go up on a mountain and do that just for 40 days. We have access all the time. Here's what Paul says um, about Moses' radiant face related to our experience today. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this is the, the powerful thing that we have access to, that at any moment we can turn our attention to God, that God is present and dwelling with us, and we can gaze and contemplate the Lord's glory. And by doing that, we are transformed. We are changed. We are changed more and more into God's image, into his likeness. We are made whole. So our faces may not shine bright like Moses's did, which is pretty amazing for the, him, but I do think there is a glow that happens as people who encounter God go out into the world, and people experience you, and they see the glow of God's glory in you. And that is true. So Moses encountered God and was changed, and the gospel passage today is a similar passage in Jesus becoming radiant. But when Jesus becomes radiant, it's Peter, James, and John who are with Jesus who get a command from God to listen. So Jesus' transfiguration. This is another crazy story of Jesus going up on the mountainside to pray and becoming radiant in front of his friends. This little gap between heaven and earth was spanned, and in that moment, heavens were opened, and they saw Jesus as the divine Jesus. So here's how Luke says it in Luke chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving G Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. I 
love the detail in this story that they were sleeping. <laughs> and something, I mean, isn't it crazy? I mean, it's one thing to wake up from a nap. But it's an entire different thing to wake up to the full divinity of Jesus right in front of you. So certainly Peter and John and James were changed by this encounter. But in addition, they were also given this command. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. You know, these words echo back to Jesus' baptism when God also spoke and there was an identity given, an identity of this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. So we hear that echo once again, but this time it's, it's not just an identity of Jesus, but it's the authority of Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him explain the ways of the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to tell you something. Listen to him and put it into practice. Make it happen in your life. So the disciples are changed by their encounter, and now they had something to do. You know, they weren't just changed for change's sake. They were changed to go live a life reflecting the kingdom of God here. And the same is true for us, that we encounter God, not for just the sake of the encounter, but for the encounter to change us, to transform us, and then to move us to listen to him. Why don't we take a moment to listen? You're all seated, so I'm going to sit down too. So when you listen to God, it might help to put your hands open on your lap so that you're not distracted by fidgeting things. And it might help to take a couple deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And it might help as you listen for these next few seconds to breathe in, listen, and breathe out to me. And let that keep you focused. Let us listen. God, we are here, you are here, we are listening. Amen. Whew. I hope you heard something. Let's finish up with phone card, because this is important. I'm treading in some dangerous waters. Phone cards are some things that are kind of ancient technology. So if you are not familiar with what a phone card is, just give me a little grace in this moment and encourage me. Um, so just to begin with, setting this up, in the past, people used to use phones just to talk to each other. And you would pick up and dial a number, and then it would go to another person who has a phone, and they could talk to you. And that's how phones work. And if you remember, in order to call somebody far away, you had to pay extra. You had to pay long distance. 
remember these things? And so you had to, if you didn't have it on your phone, you had to get one of these things called the phone card. I actually have one, a historic one. And it's like this. It's like a credit card, and on the back there's instructions, like a 1-800 number to call, put in all these numbers. I know I'm losing some of you. It's just like going away. <laughs> what in the world? Long distance? Well, it co- I don't know. Like you would have to pay like five or seven cents a minute to do long distance. So that's how it worked in the past. And I, after college, went to China and lived in China, and this is where I really used these phone card things. I would, you know, use them to call back to the United States from China. So I'd call my parents or my grandparents or the lovely young lady that I was dating at that time. Um, And in China, to use one of these, it was really long, so it was $3 a minute, right? So just to put this in perspective, I was living off of like $100 a month. So if you used your phone card too much for like a half hour, that'd be like your whole month of eating. Also, I just did a little math and put it in perspective. You know, I make here, Platte Park Church, 58 cents a minute. So just, we didn't even sit and listen for a whole minute just now. That was like half a minute, so that was like what? 25 cents worth of my time for me to dial up God for you to connect. (laughs) Pretty cheap, right? So you think about the pressure of the phone calls in China. A lot of pressure on these three-minute calls, or three-minute, three-dollar-a-minute calls. So I'd call my grandparents. I loved my grandparents. I lived with them in the summer in college, and I wanted to call them and hear their voices. Um, I wanted to hear my grandpa. I wanted to find out what was happening with the cranberries, even though I knew what was happening with the cranberries. I wanted to ask my grandma, you know, what's happening? What birds are at her bird feeder? Even though I knew the time of year it was, and I knew what birds were at her bird feeder. It wasn't about an information exchange. It was about connection. It was about relationship. It was about hearing each other's voices and hearing, are you okay? You know, my grandparents, I was connecting to them and knew their situation. They had no idea what I was doing in China. So when I would tell them, oh, well, Fei Chi Huan Shi Chi Yuxiang Gambian this is how they would react too, that same funny face. <laughs> but they didn't know, but they just wanted to hear my voice. They wanted to hear, are you okay? Are you having fun? They wanted connection. And then you think about the pressure on the phone calls trying to talk to Susie. I mean, we could just hear in the back of our minds the dollar signs rolling by, <laughs> trying to squeeze in the most important, valuable words ever, <laughs> only to come to the end of the conversation. Susie probably remembers this. And be like, no, you hang up first. No, no. <laughs> you wasted like five minutes saying goodbye. We didn't say anything. But again, it was about connection. And I tell you all this about phone cards simply to say that encounters, encounters with God, cost something. There's a cost. Now, I'm not talking about payment or price, because God isn't like an ATM machine where you have to do, put in like so many spiritual practices, you know, to get out an encounter with God. It's not how it works. God is not that way. It, it's cost in the sense that it costs you something to turn your attention to God. 
it costs something to set aside an activity or a priority or something else to put your attention on God. There is a cost. And when we willingly pay the cost, we are saying, God, whatever I'm setting aside is second, far second, to the value of connecting with you. So this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and it's the beginning of a 40-year, 40-year, 40-day journey. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> we've, never had, we've never had this happen, but there is a neighbor um, whose driveway is blocked with a black SUV Nissan. If that's you, would you mind just um, going and moving that? Oh, thank you. Black SUV. Nissan. Nissan. Yes. Rochelle, do you drive a Nissan? <laughs> I drive a white Chevy Suburban. Gets way less gas mileage. But can haul a lot of stuff. Oh, back to Ash Wednesday. We're going to give everything up, right? Like driving. Ash Wednesday is this historic time in that begins the season of Lent. Lent is this time that is us preparing for Easter, the celebration of Christ's resurrection. And historically, Lent is about prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And the, the fasting part of Lent is saying, I want to give something up in order to create space in my life for God. I want to set something aside and use that time I would have used to give to God or something about that. So you think about this, and this is an example. People will give up chocolate for Lent, right? People who have a real chocolate problem, give it up. People who don't like chocolate, they give it up. It's not as meaningful. But if you give up chocolate, you are saying, God, whenever this craving for chocolate rises up in me, my body says, hmm, let's have some chocolate. Your mind and soul say, ah, that's the flag, the reminder, set that aside and make space for God. And then the almsgiving part is that if you give up chocolate, then by not buying chocolate, you take that money and you give it to something else and Do something good in the world with it. So there's some connection between those things. I'm also a good example of is maybe your phone. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to stop doing something on my phone. And for several times throughout the years, I gave up scrolling Craigslist for Lent. And if you know me, when I have a dull moment in the day, I pull out my phone and I look at Craigslist, see what's for sale, just to see what's going on. It's just a time filler. But in Lent, when I have a dull moment in my day, I pull my phone and I'm like, oh, nope, put that back, and I give that time to God. And maybe I do a little replacement. Maybe I'll memorize a scripture or read psalm or do something in that time as a replacement. So those are examples of giving something up to create space for God, to turn my attention away from something, not necessarily bad, but to turn my attention, use that to turn my attention toward God. And there's a cost in that. There's a cost in what I'm doing with my time. There's a cost in what I'm doing with my attention. And I'm doing this intentionally. 
to choose God instead of something else. So, do you want an encounter with God? I hope so. And perhaps a first step for you t- this week could be simply coming to the Ash Wednesday service by saying, God, I'm going to take that time, that unusual Wednesday evening time, and give it to you and be here. And that's a step of saying, God, you're important to me. It's worth the cost. Or perhaps you are ready to give something up for 40 days. You know, what is something that you would like to give up that would remind you to come back to God each day? I mean, again, you can't give up something that you don't do. You have to give up something you like to do. And in that, when you're reminded of it, every time it comes up, you're like, oh, reminder, turn my attention to God. And are you willing to pay the cost in doing that? You know, we, I think, all want encounter with God. I mean, I think that's fairly assumed. We want to encounter God. We want an experience with him. We want relationship. But are we willing to do what Moses did in going 40 days and spending time with God? Or what the disciples did in leaving their jobs and following Jesus? Or the very simple things for us today of attending church on a Sunday or being part of a small group and committing your life to some people? Or being willing to serve. And by serving, you're giving your time that you could do other things with, you're giving it to God. In these ways, we encounter God. And so hopefully this Lent, as it begins Wednesday, we have our arms open wide for God to meet us. And that we are putting ourselves in a place where God can meet us there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace that gives and gives and gives. And as we receive and receive and receive, I pray that we also would give back to you. Give you our hearts, our attention, the things that run through our days. We give it to you. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.